Good day, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host, and I'm really glad you've decided to join us. The war that began over the weekend between Hamas and Israel is stunning for its swift appearance, its scale, and its potential for massive loss of life on both sides. But for us, here in Southeast Michigan, there's another dimension that makes it unable for us to look away. This is the home to the largest Arab population in North America. It's also the home to a stalwart, large Jewish population that has been here for decades. We are Jews. We are Arabs. And so this conflict unfolding half a world away hits us, even cripples us, where we live and breathe. That makes it harder, I think, to see this in any kind of simple terms. We know how layered and awful the history in the Middle East is. We know how empty the language of hate and anger have been in the effort to produce solutions. And we know that the cycle of oppression, of violence, and retribution erects ever taller barriers to peace and, just as importantly, to justice. Think about how much those barriers hurt right now for us. If you live here, the chances that the violence in Israel will affect you personally are unacceptably high. Family, friends, communities. For so many of us, this cuts all too close. So the effect of all of this on us here in our communities is just outsized. How do we even talk to one another about what's happening? How do we talk about the emotion that gets wrung out of this kind of violence? Can we maintain our own sensibilities or our own cross-cultural relationships while the images that float across our screens depict a fundamental breakdown of those same relationships overseas? Can we protect our own community from the strife that calls to us from elsewhere? I think it's fair to say that it's okay if you're watching all this and what you ultimately feel is just frustration. Like there's nothing you could do to make this any better. But here on Detroit Today, we are going to try. We're going to try to draw some understanding out of all the pain and despair we're experiencing. First, we're going to hear the latest news from Israel and Gaza, what's happening today on the ground and what it forecasts for tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. 
And then we're going to have conversations with members of the Jewish and Arab American communities right here in Southeast Michigan. Give them a chance to air their feelings about what's happening. And we want to hear their ideas about the opportunities to end this cycle, the cycle of violence and retribution, loss of life. And you, we want you to listen intently with an open mind to all of that. I know that's hard. And at some points, it's even stomach turning right now. But the dialogue, the chance to actually hear and understand what someone else feels and thinks about this is the way forward. At least for us, at least for now. I really believe that. And so we framed today's show around the idea of getting to that space. We begin our conversations with Ishan Theroar. He is a foreign affairs columnist for the Washington Post and has been paying pretty close attention to what is happening in Israel and in Palestine. Ishan, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good to be with you. So I want to start with what happened, where this started on Saturday. Uh, Just a short explanation of what Hamas is, what their relationship is to Gaza, and what we know about how different this attack that Israel is now saying is the beginning of a war uh, is from from recent conflicts that we've seen uh, between these two parties in the Middle East. That's right. Well, Hamas is an Islamist militant group uh, that is essentially based and emerged out of Gaza, which in and of itself is a very particular place. It's the densest, most densely populated place on earth. It's this tiny strip of land um, where, you know, home to many Palestinians who, in in a previous era, whose families were forced out um, during the creation of Israel. So, I mean, I think it's impossible to really sum up what happened on this weekend. Saturday, Probably, uh, if we look back at it, it's the single bloodiest day for uh, Jews around the world since the Holocaust. It's, I mean, I think it's really hard to understate I and mean, to overstate uh, how grim and horrific the day was. And Hamas, to the surprise of many, uh, broke out of the security cordon that Israel has around Gaza and uh, appears to have, with a lot of planning and build-up and preparation, carried out an astonishing set of atrocities, really horrific. I mean, uh, the, the massacres of civilians going from house to house in Israeli kibbutzes uh, around uh, Gaza um, that, that were nearby, you know, killing families, killing children, abducting the elderly, abducting women and children. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's been a deep traumatic shock for Israel, the likes that they've not seen in half a century since the Yom Kippur War in 1973. Mm. So this is an historic moment and a terrifying historic moment. Is there a reason to believe that Hamas, which, as you point out, is a, a militant group, a militia of of, of sorts, uh, could not have done this on its own? I've I've been reading and watching a lot of the coverage, and there is sure. some speculation that that uh, in order to to mount an attack of this size and scale, Hamas had to have help. What 
what's the possibility there and what would that mean if that were true? So this is a, I mean, I want to be careful here because there's a lot of speculation, a bit of rumor, um, a degree of reporting that my colleagues and other outlets have begun uh, to figure this out. Uh, of course, Hamas has institutional links to Iran. Hamas, uh, like the militant group Hezbollah in Lebanon, um, are seen as these quote-unquote resistance organizations uh, fighting, fighting Israeli occupation, fighting the Israeli project. Um, Hamas does not recognize Israel's right to exist, whereas other Palestinian factions, including the ones that run the Palestinian Authority, do recognize Israel's right to exist. And for over the years, Hamas has certainly received a degree of funding, logistical support, training, weaponry from Iran or from proxies of Iran or through certain networks. But it, right now, I, it's hard to say that this is a what we saw over the weekend was engineered in Tehran. I wouldn't say that. I think this is something that the Hamas itself has been planning for, perhaps to the degree of support elsewhere. But, I, you know, it's difficult right now, and I, I would only be speculating to suggest um, a direct Iranian hand in the way the violence has played out. Yeah. Of course, we know, we've known for a long time that Iran um, has connections there. Uh, but Hamas is a major part of the institutional framework in the region. I mean, I say that um, in a very neutral way because, you know, it essentially runs Gaza. The Israelis have for some time um, not, I mean, while Israel is locked in this existential conflict with them, uh, it, it, its existence in Gaza has, on a certain level, also helped the right-wing government of Benjamin Netanyahu because Hamas, in a kind of almost cynically symbiotic way, um, undermines the capacity for a meaningful united Palestinian movement to, to emerge as well. And so there has been in the past, um, we know from meetings that Netanyahu has said in the past that it's in Israel's interest for Hamas to exist in Gaza in a political context because it undermines Palestinian unity. Now, of course, after this, uh, it is impossible for Israel to really coexist with, with Hamas. Um, Although, you know, what it may take for Israel to actually root out Hamas in Gaza is going to be a long, brutal campaign that will see uh, perhaps unprecedented loss of life. And we've seen so many campaigns over Gaza where Hamas has been hit and civilians have died. And yet in the years thereafter, Hamas easily picks itself back up, re-equips, gets even better technology, better weaponry, more sophisticated tactics. So we're in this grim cycle we may see Israel try to break that cycle with a you know offensive that we've not seen before, but um, this, the, all the history points to just more violence, more tragedy. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Ishar uh, Thoreau, it's always great to have you here uh, with us on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for joining us to talk about what's going on in uh, Palestine. Thanks for having me. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to turn the focus to Southeast Michigan. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for joining us. I mentioned earlier on the show today, we are trying to have conversations with members of the Jewish and Arab American communities right here in Southeast Michigan to have them air their feelings about what's happening in Gaza and Israel, and also to get a better understanding of 
how close this all cuts here in southeast Michigan. We have such large populations uh, from that region here, and we all live pretty close in here as well. How does what's happening there affect how we interact with uh, each other here? And uh, is there a way for us to be able to break through, to have more of a dialogue about these things than seems possible right now in the Middle East? Uh, This is a show where we really do want uh, our listeners to be listening, listening with open ears, open minds to the perspectives that our guests are bringing and to really think about how that informs our opinions and our reactions to what's happening over in the Middle East. We are going to open the phones, which we always do here on Detroit Today, but I am probably going to be pretty judicious about how much we have listener participation in the conversation. Because again, I do think right now it's about listening. It's about hearing. To get a better perspective from our Jewish community here in Southeast Michigan right now, we're joined by Rabbi Asher Lopatin. He is the executive director of the JCRCAGJC, which <laughs> is short for a much longer, a much longer name. Rabbi, uh, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me on, Stephen. So, so I really want to start with you telling our listeners about what is going on in your world right now. Saturday, uh, Hamas launched this this very swift and uh, extensive attack uh, on on Israel. Uh, I imagine that you're somebody who not only knows people in Israel, mm-hmm. but but is probably quite close to people who are who are there. Give me a sense of what you're hearing. Yeah. Um, well, the Jewish community is hurting and is in deep pain here. And I have a son who's in Israel, and we've been in touch with him. He's we're proud that he's there. He's actually on his gap year. He's 18 years old. He's studying in a rabbinical school. Um, and we're proud, and he's helping out. He's babysitting. He's doing whatever he can for people that need him now because the fathers are in the army or the mothers are in the army. Um, you know, um, and then I have a dear friend whose son was at that peace concert um, amongst thousand people, and, and uh, we don't know whether he's one of the 260 young people. He's 23 years old. 260 people were murdered there. Um, and then others were kidnapped, and his parents don't know. Uh, and I've been in touch with so I've been in touch with my brother, who's in Israel also. And that's a story that I think almost everyone in the Jewish Detroit community has. We know people there. And, you know, for the Jewish people, if one Jew is attacked anywhere in the world, is killed or tortured or, uh, you know, um, we feel it for, everyone feels it. So even if someone doesn't have a child there or a relative, they really feel it. It's very personal. It's very deep. And it's it's just, uh, and it's, you know, it's painful when we don't hear from whether it's politicians, whether it's religious leaders, um, we don't hear that this is unacceptable. We want to hear this is the way Hamas acted is not the way Muslims should act. Whatever your politics are, you can think Israel is wrong to exist if someone thinks that, but still we need to hear that this is not the way Muslims, this is not the way Arabs, Palestinians behave. And you know what? 
we really have not heard a lot of that. Actually, Representative Ilhan Omar said that, and, and she's not a big backer of Israel, you know, by reputation. Mm-hmm. And I have not heard that or seen that from Representative Rashid Tlaib. Remember the ride in Charlottesville, in Charlottesville the march in Charlottesville, when, when Donald Trump said, you know, there are good people on both sides. How hurtful and painful that was to so many people. So to say that we feel for the deaths of Palestinians and Israelis without singling out what Hamas did and is doing with kidnapping kids, babies, and cages, um, it's very painful and very hurtful. Uh, she did release a statement uh, yesterday, I believe, Rashida Tlaib, who represents Michigan's 12th congressional district. And she started with the fact that she grieves the Palestinian and Israeli lives that were lost uh, over the weekend and and continue to be lost. Uh, you're right that she didn't use that word unacceptable, but she put it in the context of the constancy of this over there and the constancy of loss and violence that uh, that Palestinians face every day from from Israel. Do you not think that's the right context in which to be thinking about this? Whether you think, uh, as you as you point out, whatever you think about Israel uh, and its its position uh, in the in the region, uh, this this back and forth that that is framed by the violation of Palestinian rights on a constant basis. Isn't that the frame in which we should be thinking about this? No, I think the framework is that the Palestinians are being oppressed by Hamas. You heard your previous uh, person on, um, and that should be the framework. And we, yes, free Palestine, yes, free, free Gaza from Hamas. There should be rallies in Dearborn, free that these Hamas people are acting in ways that Arabs should not act, Palestinians and Muslims, we need to free them. Uh, And I'm a little puzzled because Israel did disengage and Israel engaged in what maybe we would call ethnic cleansing because it cleansed the Jews out of the Gaza Strip. Uh, You know, Jews lived in Gaza before 1948, before Israel was a state. And yet Israel, in order to clear out and de-occupy Gaza, pulled out pulled its Jewish communities out and in 2005. And I think I'm a little puzzled when people say, end the occupation. Well, it didn't, if you say that the occupation didn't end in Gaza and there's still the oppression and everything, then if Israel pulls out of the West Bank, it won't end there either, right? So that's not a solution. So I'm a little puzzled. Israel pulled out in 2005 and Hamas took over in a very bloody way. Uh, and, And then... This is Israel's trying to have relations with the Palestinian people, with the PA. Hamas is a sworn enemy, as you heard, to Israel. So there's really, um, the, the challenge is for Israel, is what is Israel supposed to do? What can Israel do to have peace? Israel's trying with, tried with Oslo and all different ways. And so I do think, I feel for the Palestinian people, but I really feel that if people care for Palestinians, the main goal is to remove the oppression of Hamas from Gaza. I think you, you do hear Arab voices talking about the, the complication of, of Hamas and, and how it is an impediment to the things that I think ordinary Palestinian uh, people would, would want for themselves in, uh, in the West Bank. At the same time, uh, last year in 2022, Israeli 
forces killed more Palestinians in the West Bank than in any year since 2005 when they began to, to withdraw. And so I, I think, again, part of the frame is, is also what Israel is doing and continues to do uh, in the West Bank. I don't think anybody who's reasonable can disagree with your point about Hamas and its oppression of the people there. But Israel participates as well. No, Israel is trying to defend itself. And I think, are we losing the distinction between um, fighting militants, fighting terrorists, and civilians? There's got to be that distinction. And are we losing the distinction between tragic loss of civilian life when you're fighting a war, which always tragically happens, and targeting civilians, which Hamas has done, and which, unfortunately, terrorists coming from the West Bank have done as well? Um, and uh, I think that the one lesson from this is perhaps that um, we need to build closer relationships and Israel needs to work on that. Now, Hamas is preventing it. Israel thought it was doing it by letting 30,000 workers from Gaza come in every day. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that really was not a, uh, a way of really building trust. But I think Israel, in considering going into Gaza and how it goes in, really has to work on can we build relationships. And likewise, in the West Bank, I think also, I think I'm a big advocate for shared society. And I hope that that can be really the direction. I know it doesn't feel that way, Mm. but I think that is the direction that Israel will try to move into, but can't do that with Hamas. And locally, we want to have close relationships with our Arab American, Muslim brothers and sisters, and we do have some very close friendships, but it's just painful when your Arab-American brother or sister can't say, you know, what Hamas did is unacceptable. And some do. Uh, Dr. Yahya Basha has been incredible and has spoken out. And again, that doesn't compromise your views on Palestine and Israel and how you see that working out. It just shows your humanity. Sure. Sure. Uh, I'm talking with Rabbi Asher Lopat, and he is the executive director of the Jewish Community Relations Council, also known as JCRC, AJC, here in southeast Michigan. Uh, We're talking about the violence that broke out over the weekend in Israel and the Gaza Strip, uh, Hamas launching a brutal and swift attack, not just on uh, Israeli uh, military targets, but on on civilians. Uh, lots of casualties uh, resulted from that, and now Israel is uh, contemplating what its response uh, will be. Uh, we're talking about not only what's happening in the West Bank and uh, in the Middle East, but also what's happening here in Southeast Michigan, a place that is home to an awful lot of people who have connections and history in that region. Uh, We are in the mode today on the show of listening, listening to uh, the folks here who are reeling really from what's happening there and probably uh, quite trepidatious about what is to come. Uh, but we will keep the phones open as well. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. It's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you that way. Uh, we will decide, of course, whether we want to include listener voices in this uh, conversation. We will 
later, of course, in the week and into the into the future, be talking about this some more, and and that may be a more appropriate time uh, to take listener to take listener comments. Uh, Rabbi, I, I want to talk more specifically about what you see here in Southeast Michigan when you think about relationships between the Jewish community and the Arab American community. As as I've said, they're both very large parts of our community here in Southeast Michigan. Um, But also um, what you see as the effect uh, of what's happening in the Middle East, which is, again, it's not unprecedented, but it is certainly unprecedented in a very long time uh, how how brutal this attack was uh, by by Hamas. Um, we haven't seen anything like this in a long time. So I'm wondering what you think the potential effect here could be of all of this. Yes, Stephen, we haven't seen this since the 1940s and the Holocaust. Yes. This is the greatest loss of Jewish life uh, since in one day since the Holocaust. And so, you know, I think there is tremendous potential for, and there has been for great relationships between our communities. We share so much in common religiously, you know, we're struggling in traditions in in mostly a Christian world. How do we uh, continue our traditions and and pass them on to our children? And, uh, you know, it's so delightful to be together. When I go to a coffee shop in Hamtramck or Dearborn, it's, it's a delight. It's wonderful. And especially when I see people that are holding on to their tradition, <laughs> like uh, like I wear a kippah and uh, to see women and men. Um, so we just need to show love for each other now. And I certainly want to say that I am a Zionist and I'm pro-Palestinian as well. And I want to be open with that. Um, and I just want to hear from the other side that they are grieving, that they feel our pain. It was so painful also for Rashida Tlaib to say, okay, it doesn't, Palestinians and Israelis, you know, why does she put Palestinians here? This is, you know, this is, this is the biggest massacre for Jews since the Holocaust. God forbid when there are thousands that might be hurt and that might be killed in this battle uh, to free Gaza from Hamas, you know, then I will be there also to grieve with my Palestinian and Arab brothers and sisters. But there is a time to say that I'm coming to your shiva, as it were, your house of mourning, Mm -hmm. and I'm focusing on you. And that that is just really so important. So, so... um, uh, when you think about the Israeli response, which is taking shape and, and form as, as we speak, really, um, what do you imagine is the right response to this? I mean, uh, um, I, I don't think anybody would say Israel shouldn't respond. Uh, this was an attack on its sovereignty and, and, and on life in, in its nation. But what is the way to to answer that, um, is there is there the potential for excessive response? Uh, and if not, uh, what would what would the proper, I guess, dimension of that response be? I mean, I think it's a difficult question to contemplate, especially right now because people are in such pain from from what happened. Yes, I think um, th- so. There's a response locally, and that is that we care for each other. And I wish an imam would say on this Friday that, you know, you know my position on Israel and Palestine, but this is not 
the way Muslims behave. Now, as far as what Israel should do, of course, I'm in America and I can only su- give suggestions, but Stephen, if I can be a little bit uh, controversial, so <laughs> I'm uh, not speaking on behalf of the AGC mm-hmm. or the JCRC, but for <laughs> Ashla Patton, I think Israel should go in, reoccupy, readminister Gaza, eventually annex it to Israel, eventually give citizenship to the Palestinians. Israel has two million Palestinians in Israel currently of its nearly 10 million people. Two more Palestinians would be great. I think it'd be a great symbiotic, symbiotic relationship between Jews and Arabs and Muslims. So, and it should, it'll be a great place. It's a, there's a seashore, it's beautiful. There's fishing in Gaza. Um, and that's what should happen. And forget about Hamas, forget about the PA, you know, and let's bring it into Israel. And then the, the West Bank, we'll talk about. <laughs> and so you, you see a single state solution in some ways, not a, not a dual state. Speaking as Ashrilo yeah. no, right. I'm a shared society person. I'm yeah. not afraid. I'm a Jewish person. I'm not afraid of being overrun by someone. Yes, there are all sorts of demographic issues that have to be worked out. Actually, the growth, the Jewish growth rate in Israel is greater even than the Arab growth rate in the West Bank, the, the birth rate. So that's, look, very controversial. One state, two states. AJC is for a secure two-state solution. But in... I'm a rabbi also, so mm-hmm. in a perfect solution, and maybe we should dream a little bit. Israel was built on a dream. And again, I'm living in America. Israelis, they'll vote, they'll figure things out. Palestinians will figure things out. No one's going anywhere. But as a dreamer, I love to live together. I love for it to be a Jewish and Palestinian state. Now, I know it's very controversial, so uh, sorry, everybody. <laughs> but um, let's dream a little bit and let's come together uh, and let's let people be Jewish, people be Palestinian. Uh, let's, you know, they'll be kosher, they'll be uh, halal, they'll be Eid, and Ramadan will be celebrated, and Passover, and, uh, you know, Rosh Hashanah. And, uh, you know, I guess I know it's naive, it's dream, but. I, I don't know. I don't know that it's naive. I mean, I would hate to use a, a, a negative descriptor for what you're talking about, which is you know, a, a, a beautiful vision of what life there could be. I do think we're a really long way yeah. from that. And what happened over the weekend and what I think we're anticipating will happen as a result is a reminder. Yeah, but the very least I think Israel needs to move. Again, it's my suggestion, I'm not a military expert, to really to move in and not to allow Hamas to still rule that place. And it's not fair to Palestinians, really. And I wish there were a counter group in Gaza that Israel could help to help take over. And I realize your, your previous speaker, um, you know, there are all sorts of calculations that mm-hmm. if it's too nice to Israel, then that would be too <laughs> encouraging or too slate. But um, I think really Hamas has to be taken out. And I think Israel really has to move in there and to be fair to the Palestinians and to help. I mean, I don't want to be patronizing or paternalistic, but I think Hamas has to be taken out. And it wouldn't be the, the worst thing to experiment with Gaza and seeing being part of Israel. And I'm not saying citizenship should be given to two million people right away, but it's a process. So we'll see. Maybe Israel can take it or leave it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rabbi Asher Lopatin, though, I do really want to uh, thank you uh, for coming in and really respect uh, your perspective and the things that uh, are going on 
in your community as a result of this. Thanks so much. Hey, for thanks us. so much, Stephen. And we want peace. We want peace. Okay, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to hear from members of our Arab American communities here in Southeast Michigan to learn how they are reacting to the ongoing conflict in Israel. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. are joined now by guests from our local Arab American community, beginning with Osama Sibwani, who is the publisher of the Arab American News. Osama, welcome back to Detroit Good today. Mo- Good morning, Stephen. Yes. Thank you for, for the opportunity. Sure. Uh, also with us is uh, Amar Zar, who is a Palestinian American author, comedian, and political activist who's based in uh, Dearborn. Amr, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I want to start with both of you talking about what you're hearing from members of uh, the community here, but also in uh, the West Bank and Gaza uh, about what's happening. Uh, the, 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 the fear, I think, the, the potential loss is really having an effect on uh, those of us who live here in Southeast Michigan who have ties over there. Osama, I'll, I'll start with yeah. you. Well, of course. I mean, what's happening over there is affecting uh, us here and everywhere. And this is not the first time, you know, that this is happening, even though the scale is much, much larger and, the, you know, the tragedy is much bigger. Uh, however, you know, we have, been, we have been talking about the Palestinian issue for the last 75 years. I remember myself that uh, 30 years ago, in September, uh, September 13, 1993, I was in the White House when the Oslo Accord was signed by uh, Israeli Prime Minister Sahak Rabin and uh, Chairman Yasser Arafat of the PLO. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was the Oslo Accord was supposed to be the roadmap where we can have a Palestinian state to exist, to coexist side by side with Israel. With Israel. And, and, you know, since then, 30 years ago, nothing happened for this to materialize. In the last seven years, not even a meeting has been established between the Palestinian Authority and the Israeli government. All what we have seen is more killing and more suffering for Palestinians and continue, continuing an, an occupation that is the longest in, in our modern history, 75 years. And the suffering continues. And when, when you have suffering like this and continues and there is no exit, there is no hope for a solution, of course, you know, the radical elements will come out and, and they say, you know, we've had it. It's enough. You know, we, we, then people will follow because there are no results being taken out of moderation, right. you know, yeah. and, and that is exactly what's happening in, in, in Palestinian territory today. And the other problem that we have, Stephen, is the lack of leadership in America. The, the, the leadership has been absent for a long, long time, and that tells why America is on the decline internationally and locally, because there are lack of leadership. They have not done anything in order to implement an, an accord that they have authored, they have co-authored, and they have co-signed in the White House, in the highest office in the land. Sure. The politicians in this in our country, they don't care about Palestinians. They care about their seats. They care about their political future. If they really do care about Israel, 
and about peace in the region. They should have implemented yeah. peace. Yeah, Salman, it's, it's a great point uh, about the lack of progress after those accords. I mean, there was work that needed to be done uh, that that the United States and, and other uh, interested parties did not did not commit to, and I think that's a great that's a great point to make. I want to get Amar and Amar, Amar in here as well uh, to talk about what he's seeing and hearing here, and and oversees uh, Amar the, the the difficulty of having ties to that region. I would imagine right now is just uh, overwhelming. Well, you know, as the as the children of Palestinian refugees, uh, it is frustrating, obviously, to see everybody talk in the last few days as if everything over there started on Saturday. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what's frustrating to us when we hear uh, people talk about uh, what happened, which of course was a terrible thing, as something unprovoked or coming out of nowhere. You have 75 years of ethnic cleansing, 56 years of occupation, 16 years of a blockade, um, and then we're only supposed to care about one side. This is the constant sort of uh, drudging that we take as Arab Americans and Palestinian Americans, the constant dehumanization. I mean, it's a slur on the Arab American community here in Detroit to say that local Jewish community centers or synagogues are on high alert. Why? Scared of who? Scared of us? when, when When Israel murders and massacres Palestinians for the last 75 years, have we ever put out a statement that we're scared of the local Jewish community for coming after us? No. We we understand that we live here in America and that there has never been that kind of stuff here. So to say that is a slur on us because who are they saying they're scared of? They're saying they're scared of us. Mm. Everything has been couched only in terms of one side for 75 years, and we've seen that greatly magnified in the last few days where Governor Whitmer and Senator Peters speak at a Israel rally last night, which, they okay, were fine. Dancing. They were dancing. Yeah. Actually. So for them for them to say that they care about Israeli Jewish lives, great. When have they ever said that they care about our lives when they are bombarded? 2,200 people killed in, in Gaza in 2014. Mm-hmm. Hundreds killed all the time. Today, a bombing of a marketplace. A bombing of a marketplace. The defense minister saying, admitting to a war crime, we're going to cut off all supplies, fuel, water, and electricity. This is a war crime. And, call, and uh, called us a human animal. Yeah, and calling yeah. Arabs human animals. And, and we hear nothing from our uh, politicians, other than Rashida, of course, who comes from our community. But we hear nothing from politicians at the federal level or at the highest parts of the state level, other than simply caring about Israel. That's the frustration that we have. That is why we're getting together tonight in Dearborn at 6 p.m. at the Ford Community Performing Arts Center for this community rally to say enough, enough of justifying this occupation that's been going on. You know, Stephen, you've heard of Nat Turner. Mm-hmm, of okay, course. And we all know who Nat Turner was, a slave who led a slave rebellion, which was ugly. They killed women and children. But we look back at Nat Turner and do we say, because he did what he did, slavery was justified? Or because he did what he did, all black people are animals? Or because he did what he did, slavery was acceptable? No, we don't. We look back and we say, what are the conditions that push any human being to do something like this? Because right. human beings, when they have freedom, don't do things like this. Right. So, why, why, we don't justify their conditions. Yeah. So, so I want to have both of you talk about what you think would make a difference— in Gaza, in the West Bank, in, in the short term, 
uh, you do have a Hamas yeah. complicating this, right? Uh, Hamas no, is it, not it helping. Is, it is, Hamas is not complicating no. things. What's complicating is really, I mean, you know, when you say this, probably people don't like it. But Hamas is a result of the no action by the United States that's supposed to be leading the world. What, what we need to do right now, first, lift sanctions, stop the killing, mm-hmm. and start addressing the root of the cause, occupation. Occupation cannot continue, Stephen, cannot continue. It defies logic. It defies history. It will, it's not going to work. It defies humanity in a lot of ways. Right? And, and therefore, and therefore if, you, if they're saying right now they're going to destroy Hamas, they're not going to be able to destroy Hamas. Right. But if they did, other more radical, stronger, and more aggressive group is going to come out. Because this is the nature of the beast. Mm. We need to start thinking of a solution rather than treating an issue by reacting to what we need to understand. The Palestinians have agreed to a two-state solution. The one who really did not act on it and did not do anything about it is Israel and the United United States States. who are supposed to be brokering peace and standing in the middle and trying to bring... Uh, Amar, go go ahead. Yeah, we need to be able to differentiate between the the disease and the symptoms of the disease. When you see things like what happened on Saturday, that's a symptom of the disease of occupation and oppression of a people for 75 years. You know, know, there's 2 million people in Gaza. Um, They have been blockaded for 15 or 16 years from making their own decisions. When when Israelis say something like, we left Gaza and the occupation, no, that's not true. The prison guards moved from outside the pri- from inside the prison to outside the prison walls. Israel still controls everything that goes in and out of Gaza. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about people that are completely strangled. And that is the disease. You see these symptoms coming out of it. We need to talk about this stuff intellectually. You know, I heard your last guest say, maybe he believes in a one-state solution one day. I believe mm-hmm. in a one-state solution. Do you? But he, of course I do. But because I believe in democracy, but he doesn't. He he basically said we need to behave to get our rights. No, no one needs to Over behave time. to get their rights. Right. That is not the way it works. You have rights or you don't. You don't tell people they need to behave to get their rights. We have had now, like Osama said, the Oslo process started in 1993. Palestinians knew they weren't getting a great deal out of the Oslo process, but they welcomed what Yasser. Happened? What happened? Yeah, they welcomed Yasser Arafat. They they welcomed Yasser Arafat like a king, and Israelis killed their leader for simply shaking hands yeah. with Palestinians. <laughs> and we're the ones that don't want peace. We've had enough of this. So, so we're we're uh, gonna run out of time on the show of course uh do do you either of you see jewish partners to the the end that 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 you want do you we already have jewish partners i mean this again osama said in the beginning it's it's incorrect to fall into any framing of this as a religious thing this is about we didn't choose who our occupiers were. Right. If they if they were Jewish or Buddhist or Hindu or Christian or Muslim, we, we would be just as angry. We First of all, we already do have many. Jew- there will be Jewish Voice for Peace of Detroit speaking at the rally tonight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not about having Jewish partners. It's about having people who believe that every human being has a right to life and liberty we regardless have, of who they are no matter what. Yeah, we, ha- we have Jewish partners, and, and they feel they wanted to speak, but they are intimidated by the extreme mist everywhere mm. on both sides. Now, listen, I, I really, I truly believe that a solution is feasible. 
the problem is that we do not have leadership in America in order to look what, look what how our leaders are, are behaving. Look what the Gretchen Whitmer and, and Gary Peters did. I mean, it's, it's bigger to see them dancing on the on the on the bodies of children on both sides mm-hmm. at a synagogue mm-hmm. and smiling and laughing. This is not what leaders should be doing at at a time like this. Mm-hmm. Lighting the White House with the, with the Israeli flag is not something that that pleases anybody except the politicians that they are really the best politicians that money can buy. Yeah. Uh, Things uh, needs to be changed in America because we're leading the I, war. I think that's a really hill. yeah, I think that's a really important point what leadership America shows uh, in this region. There are okay. no leadership in America. There are yeah. no leadership. Look, yeah. look 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 the choices that we have. Joe Biden and Donald Trump, yeah. <laughs> who are fighting each know, other right. to see who's more pro-Israel. Right. No, yeah. you're right. Okay, Osamu Simlani and uh, Amr Zer, uh, it's always great to have both of you here. I, I am very sorry for what's happening. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank here. you, Stephen. We'll talk again tomorrow. Detroit Today is produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Our assistant producer is Maddie Boyer. Our music is by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. And podcast editing is by David Lyons. Our program director is Adam Fox. Detroit Today is a production of WDET in Detroit. And you can support the show by leaving a rating or a comment. Thanks for listening.